On this episode of Halftone Takes, I ask Corey about his history with DC Comics. We talk about diversity in media and R-rated superhero movies. And Blade. And fucking Blade! <laughs> Blade is cool. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to Halftone Takes, high contrast conversations where we zoom out to see the bigger picture. I am one of your hosts, Adam Bucheri. Uh, please, the Booch was my father. <laughs> and I am the other co-host, Corey Revis, a.k.a. the Burnt Toast Man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what are we getting it to, up to uh, today, man? Yeah, so today I wanted to talk to you about DC Comics, a topic near and dear to your heart. Mm, boy. Uh, basically wanting to cover uh, kind of three eras, uh, how you started becoming a fan and kind of like the nerd scene in your youth. Oh, okay. Uh, being a fan of DC in college, which was um, kind of one of the your, your big fandoms uh, when we first met and got oh, to yeah. know each other. And what it's like to be a DC fan now uh, with the modern slate of, of everything that they're doing. Okay. Uh, that is that is quite a journey. Yeah, so starting out, like, um, you know, as a kid, uh, how did you get into to DC in the first place? What was that scene like? Um, and yeah, tell me, tell me about being, you know, kind of a young nerd at that time. Um, yeah, uh, okay. Uh, that is very involved uh, in somewhat sad, but still hopeful as <laughs> um, back back in the day, superheroes was always cool to me. And I actually liked reading as a kid. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, I picked up comics like nothing and graphic novels and stuff. And um, like... I actually, I liked all kinds of stuff, but DC was the big one because, uh, probably because of the cartoon, uh, Justice League, um, really good animated, uh, cartoon. And then there was kind of the, I guess not, not necessarily spinoff, but upgraded <laughs> Justice League Unlimited. And sure. Yeah, um, but in I watched that. I mean, like, I think I think it's safe to say that we can kind of lump in all of the Tim verse. Yeah, the Tim verse is like just expansive. Yeah, right. So uh, if you, listeners, if you're unfamiliar, that would include Batman the animated series, uh, Superman the animated adventures of Superman, uh, Justice League, Batman Beyond. Well, first of all, who is Tim? Uh, <laughs> Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Tim. Yeah, the, we're the, talking about the Bruce comics guy. Yeah, he he has a very very unique style in terms of animation and just terms of like character design and everything. If you've seen any type of DC anything, it's probably animated DC anything. I should say it's probably he probably has his hand in it. He has his hand in a lot of stuff like that. So, but yeah, I, I watched a lot of that stuff. I watched Batman Beyond. I watched. Uh, Static was one of my favorite ones. Um, you know. Oh yeah, Static say, Shock was part of that lineup. Yep. Uh, Justice League, of course. Uh, Adventures of Superman, of course. Batman the Animated Series. Um, 
all that stuff I consumed like crazy. And it seemed at the time, besides like maybe X-Men, the nineties, like uh, the nineties version of X-Men, it was Mm -hmm. mostly all DC that I, that I loved. So I was like, okay, cool. And uh, what really got me, I liked reading comics every once in a while. Um, like, cause you know, people were still getting the single issues and stuff and I would see them in like supermarkets and stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I didn't really start going after comics and getting into them until I kind of fell in love with justice, justice league, uh, writing, I should say. Um, because, you know, being as a, like little black kid um, and not, you know, having a lot, like let's be on, let's be completely honest. I wasn't really looking at that point, at least mindful because I was a kid. I was like, I was just happy to see stuff like superheroes do cool things. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, there was a subliminal thing or subconscious thing, I should say that happened to me when I watched justice league because of, John Stewart, um, who, um, if you're not familiar, yeah. audience, uh, is the Black Green Lantern. That had the biggest impact on me because I liked Green Lantern anyway. And then I was like, oh, that's cool. And I, like like I said, like subconsciously latched on to him. And I was like, man, I got to read more about him. I got to see what's what he's in and stuff. And that's what kind of got me into DC comics a lot more. Um, gotcha. Like DC, I actually read a lot more DC stuff, read a lot more DC stuff. And that, you know, then it's on from there of, you know. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely wanted to talk about John Stewart specifically. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, it it had to have come up. It, it was going to come yeah, up. Yeah, it it just it had to. <laughs> um both because, you know, in the nineties, like not like we were starting to get some representation, some black superheroes, some you know, there are uh, a good number of female superheroes. Yeah. Uh but like John Stewart's the fucking coolest man. <laughs> <laughs> like he's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I'm not surprised that that was part of the, the gateway to it because, you know, I, I all, I, I share a lot of that where I grew up right in the pocket for all of the Tim verse stuff. I loved Batman, the animated series, uh, loved justice league and yeah, John Stewart was like a real standout character mm-hmm. to me to the point where like, I still don't like most of the other Green Lanterns. Yeah. There have been, you know, a ton of them. Uh, I always want Jon Stewart. I don't know why they keep fucking making movies with Hal Jordan. Uh, like Now, that is not... <laughs> I don't think that is a... I, I've, I've talked with a lot of other uh, comic nerds and stuff, too. And that is a complaint that a lot of people have. Because... Mm-hmm. And not for the fact that, oh, it's like it's a white guy versus a black guy. No, it's just the fact that it's Hal Jordan versus everybody. <laughs> like, it's always Hal Jordan. He gets a disproportionate amount of screen time yeah. for how, like, uh, and, and I'm sure that he's been good in the comics. But, like, all of the on-screen adaptations are just like, this is just kind of a guy and I'm not that interested. 
Yeah, he's and him. He he is definitely like. There's a reason he's the first Earth Green Lantern, but sure, it's yeah, and he's basically a huge blank slate. And there's a lot of stuff that happens to him. He becomes like Parallax and does all kinds of weird nonsense shit. <laughs> but it's okay. We all accept this. We all know this. However, you have plenty of. Like they're green. This is called the Green Lantern Corps. Like there's so many characters that are interesting and all this kind of stuff. That's part of the point. And I always liked that. That John Stewart definitely, excuse me, uh, represented another part of Earth, <laughs> another part of Earth culture. And I always thought that was like look. Obviously, looking into it more and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, this is really cool. And part of that at least on the animated front, it's because of a writer named Dwayne McDuffie. Genius. Uh, sadly, he passed. But he is... I. The more I looked him up, the more I realized that all this, like, the stuff that he wrote, all the episodes that he wrote, are my favorite episodes. And Dwayne McDuffie is a black man who also had a hand in the creation of Milestone Media, um, which is basically kind of a i don't want to say a subsidiary of dc comics but that's where you get your static that's where you get your uh like your rocket and um you know uh like these other characters i did he do they have uh mr fantastic i meant mr terrific i i don't remember mr terrific is also really cool um but yeah and that totally shows which is it's it's very authentic and i appreciated that um this is why so many you know so much of the black community loves static uh because it's you know static as a character had he wasn't just like bald or something like that uh, and i'm being 100 serious about this like i hear this all the time and i appreciated it too Black hair is a big thing. <laughs> so that's a great point. How they drew him was important. And everybody's like, yeah, he does wear, like, we do wear hair like that. Wow, this family dynamic actually is understandable. Like, I was like, wow. And, you know, of course, if you know Static at all, they, they tackled tough issues in that, in that show. I was, sometimes I was watching it as a kid and I was like, oh, they went there, huh? Okay, for sure. <laughs> but but also like it's not a show that's just about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is uh you know, you've talked to me before about how refreshing that is, you know, you don't want just any media featuring a black character to be about the yeah. struggles of being a black character, you know. You want it to be about the struggles of someone with lightning powers kicking ass. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, why can't you why can't we treat the black characters with culture and also with you know normalcy yeah you know he's he's still a kid he's still a kid growing up in you know dakota city and you know teenager going to school dealing with stuff and he has his best friend and stuff like what are we like i always go back to that one episode where they talk about gun violence and his best friend gets shot <laughs> and i was like at that point, it's not about him being black. It's about literal gun violence in school. And I was like, oh, you guys are going there? 
impressive. <laughs> and I was like, I wasn't seeing that kind of stuff with Marvel. Now, mind you, that's a different story because Marvel just wasn't making all that much animated stuff um, back then, or at least stuff that wasn't good, that good or hooky. And I would argue that like Marvel has never really been great on the the animated television front. Not especially not compared to like DC. What DC has been putting out, and to a greater extent, Warner Brothers, because that is a Warner Brothers thing. Like they may have really sucked, and still generally have a problem with their uh, live action stuff, but their animation stuff usually is on point. Nine times out of ten, mm. you can trust it. And I've always looked at them that way. I'm like, you guys are. I'm not really worried about your your uh, live action stuff. If you let your animation stuff slip, I will have words. But <laughs> you yeah. know, it's yeah. And I, I don't think I it's a coincidence that for both of us, like a big part of our gateway to DC Comics was through animation, and that mm -hmm. we both ended up meeting in animation classes. Like I think that there's logical through line mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I mean, that's, uh, those shows are definitely, that art style definitely influenced me, um, in terms of why I like action animation a lot and why I care about, you know, animated, you know, action scenes and fight scenes. And I think a lot of that stuff was very well choreographed and set up and composed and, I think it's impressive. I, I think a lot of people, even artists today, um, really take a lot from that era. Um, you know, for those their kind of shows and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I still love revisiting Batman the Animated Series. Um, some of the animation that they do in that show is, like, staggeringly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know the um, the Clayface reveal. Oh yeah, uh, the climax to that Clayface episode where he's like shifting back and forth through all the the personalities uncontrollably, like stands out to me as just a really remarkable piece of animation in a yeah in a show that like you know arguably like doesn't deserve <laughs> to be as good as it is. Like you know, I feel like there's definitely at the time you know uh, X Men the animated series was like kind of the benchmark. Mm -hmm. And it really is difficult to understate, like, how much the Timverse in general, like, raised the bar. Because even though the the art style changed throughout the years, like, really high quality across the board. Justice League has great action sequences. Mm. Mm. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, but you're absolutely right. Um, and it's on all accounts, too, because I think... Well, people don't necessarily realize a lot. Um, Marvel had his extended universe for a while. X-Men, the animated series, was literally Marvel's extended universe for a while. They went in deep <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, watching that show. And I was like, whoa, you're bringing in this character? What? <laughs> like, you all know Morbius, right? <laughs> <laughs> he showed up on in the animated series and it made sense. They had an entire arc with him. Um and also in Spider-Man the animated series too. It was those two um those two cartoons from Marvel. I was I was going to ask. I I genuinely don't know. Is there a continuity between the 90s Spider-Man show and 
the uh, the X Men show? I think there's loose. I think there's a loose continuity um, because characters would show up on both shows. And then, mind you, a lot of it. It's weird because a lot of it took place in New York. So I guess that's another reason why, you know, they would mm-hmm. kind of flip back and forth. But Spider-Man was another one. Spider-Man, the animated series, uh, was another hugely extended universe that, like, people would be like, what is this character? Um, which it also has. Yeah. I don't want to go on too much of a rant um, or too much, too much of a nostalgia trip. But this kind of still answers your first question of how it got started. Um, that's how I got really interested in a lot of Marvel stuff is, and I think I told you this before, <laughs> my first introduction, uh, to Blade. <laughs> Did I tell oh, you about that? that? No. It was in Spider-Man, the animated series. <laughs> it is, that's hilarious. It is, it is the most ridiculous sequence. It's when Spider-Man is on the rooftop and he meets Blade and it's one of those things where I think he had tracked down his mom or something like that. And he's like, somehow he has his motorcycle up on the roof too. And he's like, turns to Spider-Man. They're arguing and something like that. But then he's like, oh, we'll work together, but I'm not happy about it. And then he just turns to him and he's like, just brace yourself, Spider-Man. It's going to be a long night. And he drives <laughs> his motorcycle <laughs> off the roof lands on like more smaller roofs and then he drives it off and then he lands on the street and he just speeds away and i was like mhm mhm that's some devil may cry shit yeah it was like mhm mhm you you had my you had my interest but now you have my attention <laughs> i was like yeah this is what i want this is that was awesome and like like i said it when i was a kid i was watching that and i was like subconsciously i was like and that's a black guy that's awesome that's so cool and i was like you know thinking nowadays i'm like yeah yeah that was cool and somehow that influenced me (laughs) (laughs) you know this is an episode about dc comics but like blade kicks so much ass (laughs) blade (laughs) is still cool blade three not so much but blade two is my favorite Blade 2 is my favorite. Wesley Snipes. Revisiting them, like, yeah, like, I love Blade 2 because I love Del Toro, but, like, Blade 1 rules. Oh, Blade Absolutely knocks it out of the park as far as a first, like, uh, the first modern comic book movie. uh, R-rated. That's also a horror movie. That's also technically a horror movie. slaps. Like, it's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, It's so good. And, you know, it's... It's so hopeful for, in my opinion, for the future because people look back at that and say – and also like at Spawn too. That's another uh, black superhero character and – or more anti-hero. I don't care. It's all comic (laughs) superheroes. Let's let's not be goofy. But it's just – I see those, uh, those two, just those specific two, and there are many more. And I'm like, yeah, it's looking good. If people, because back then people weren't really talking about that. They maybe were, but there was an overwhelming sense of, no, this is just cool. (laughs) Especially for Blade. No, this is just cool. Especially back then when vampires and werewolves were so awesome in in the culture. 
So Blade was inarguably cool yeah. when it came out. Also doing like the the black trench coat look before the Matrix. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And damn. I and you know I love me some Morpheus, but still. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that that is iconic. It's super iconic. And and you know what? It's funny because you see any other <laughs> black characters that have that kind of trench coat on, and you immediately go to one of two people: Morpheus or Blade. <laughs> there is no other person totally. that does that. So. Uh, Lance Reddick is yeah, Albert Wesker in the I new Resident it. Evil. <laughs> I saw him. Uh, yeah, and he, and he comes in wearing the Wesker goofy-ass trench coat. Yeah, that, and kid just play, like, that kid played 90s, 80s, late 80s haircut. And I was like, oh. Yeah. It's just Blade. <laughs> which is, is Blade. not... Not not a complaint. I'm just like, damn, Lance Reddick would be a great Blade, actually. Yeah. I, I love Lance uh, Reddick anyway, but I think he it, it's hilarious to say this, but I'm like, Lance, slow down. It, like you have too much work. I honestly think he has a little too much work right now. He's doing a lot of stuff, but like Yeah. I'm glad they got Mahershaw Ali though. Like he's gonna be a Mahersh- great blade. He's gonna be great. He's gonna be I'm great. I'm very excited for that. Yeah. He fits it perfectly. Especially for like yeah. a modern take on like the uh, MCU and whatnot. I think they'll. I think they'll be fine. But we're talking about DC here, uh, so like that is basically you know Green Lantern specifically. John Stewart is one of one of two of my favorite uh, superheroes ever in all of comics. Um, that and that was a huge influence. It's a huge influence. I love. I couldn't get enough of the lore of Green Lantern stuff and just DC Universe in general. I think making up things because what Marvel does that DC kind of doesn't do that much. Uh, Marvel likes to use real world stuff a lot, which is fine. Yeah. Um, there is really not a lot of made up places in. Um, the Marvel Universe. Uh, DC basically makes up all their stuff. Now, mind you, it's also based on specific places. Metropolis is straight up New York City. <laughs> um, Gotham is straight up Chicago. Let's not let's not be coy about this. Um, and no, they are not across the river from each other like how it is in uh, <laughs> in. Batman v Superman. That is super silly, and I that is the biggest complaint I had about that movie. <laughs> My I was favorite like, thing. What? <laughs> They're not that first of all close. <laughs> first of all, it is objectively funny that you can see Metropolis from Gotham, and then Superman's like, "What's a Batman?" I hate uh, that. I hate <laughs> shut it. up. <laughs> I hate it. I I complained about it when I watched it. <laughs> I saw that in theaters, and I was like, "What?" What? <laughs> uh, I also think it's very funny that, like, they have had to, you know, someone has been like, we need to take our world a little bit more seriously. And so they have to be like, oh, yeah, our planet Earth is actually 8% larger to account for all of these bullshit cities that we've put in there. That's weird. Uh, so weird. I think that's <laughs> very funny to me. that they. <laughs> so weird, man. It's, it's so extremely weird. weird. Why would you? But, like... This? But, like, that's got to be true for the Marvel Universe as well, right? Oh, yeah. Because, like, where's Wakanda? Like, where's Sokovia? Like, those yeah. are analogous to real-world places, but are they 
actually yeah. like accounted for on the 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 world map? I, I don't think so. Uh, it, it, on the you know the I I looked at something years ago, like a map of the Marvel universe showing where things are, and I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Um, so they make it make sense. It's just you know. Because with Wakanda, it's a little easier because that is a separate country that's hidden. Like, what is it? Yeah. Uh, Sokovia or what is it? Markovia? Ah, where's Doctor Doom from? Shoot. Sokovia is the 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 Scarlet Witch home. Yeah, that's Sokovia. Um, yeah, but I'm not. But Doctor I'm not even Doom. thinking about. I'm thinking about where's Doctor Doom because that is the big one. Like, that's actually, like, a country, city, state that has, like, political power in Europe. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I, I saw it last, I saw it years ago, and I was like, where is it? I don't remember. Uh, Latveria. Latveria, yeah. Um, I saw it years ago, and I was like, I don't know how this is supposed to work, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the Marvel Universe. A lot of stuff doesn't make sense, but makes perfect sense. And that's the point. But I think with DC anyway, I like I kinda liked how they kind of just made a lot of shit up. Um and were perfectly okay with that. Because then they could build off of that and didn't have to rely on necessarily as much real world uh stuff. You mm -hmm. know, uh, in the building, in the world building. And I kind of appreciated that. And yeah. I think I think I, I see yeah. I see the benefit to both approaches, but like as a kid, I preferred them not being real places and not trying to I don't know, not trying to ground it too much. Like because Metropolis and Gotham were their own cities, they were able to have like a stronger identity. Yeah, I felt like yeah, uh, and, and I I I one hundred percent agree with that too. I mean, now obviously when you start getting to you know, and I think it's also, I'm going to, I'm going to start by saying, I think it's also really funny and ironic because DC has to know these, these people, the writers have to know that these city names are a little ridiculous. <laughs> star city. Oh, yeah. like, star city sucks. Yeah. Star, yeah. Star city. Uh, oh, what? Where's the Bloodhaven? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Bloodhaven. I'm like, hmm, jeez, hmm. <laughs> and I'm just looking around like, hmm. Y'all know you 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 guys know what you guys are doing, right? Happy Harbor, like, <laughs> like okay, yeah. I'm like, come on, come on, guys. But they're like, no, we're sticking with this. You're gonna be happy about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm happy about it. At least you guys aren't trying, but you guys aren't trying to try. Like it doesn't even matter. Like <laughs> it, it's it's an identifier more than more than anything. You know that certain people come from Star City. You know certain people come from Metropolis, um, and what have you. Know totally. that certain people are going to be about Gotham because um, it's it's always hilarious. Nobody goes outside of Gotham. <laughs> The bad guys just think, you know what? I can only ru like ruin things here. 
I can only ruin things here. I can't go over to New York, a.k.a. Metropolis, because that Superman guy will kill me. <laughs> I don't have no chance with him. I'm going to stay right here yeah. and cause havoc. <laughs> At least I got a chance with the Batman guy. He, I know he's... I know he's not like super powered. He's just rich, but I want to be rich I, too. So <laughs> I love the idea of like Captain Cold being like, here's my new plan. I go to a bank and I freeze stuff and then I take their money. And they're just like, how is that different from every other plan? He's like, because I'm going to be doing it in Kansas city and ain't nobody around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then you see Flash show up, and he's like, I heard you were going coming to Kansas City. And he's like, gosh, shit. God damn it. Because <laughs> that's the point. He's a Flash villain. So <laughs> you can't run. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, no. yeah, DC Comics as a kid, it was really cool, uh, especially the animated stuff. Animated stuff still rocks. Um, I love it. It's great. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, getting into comics as a kid. Were you, I guess here's the question. Were you as big of a, a comic book reader as I thought that you were? Or was it uh, a little bit more casual? Um, it started out casual. I, I am not a collector, first and foremost. I am not a collector. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, um, I don't have the room for that. And I don't have the, I guess, patience for that because... That would mean that I would specifically have to seek out all the stuff that I'm missing. And I don't have the time for that. Uh, but I do, for the characters and the stories that I'm interested, I will most definitely go out of my way to get volumes of graphic novels and um, the like the back issues and whatnot. Um, I will do that, and I still I still tend to do that. Um, it's just uh, a little bit harder because I am not rich, and a lot of some of these are very not very rare. I am not that kind of a person, but they're rare enough that it costs a pretty penny, like fifty to seventy bucks sometimes on like Amazon because there's not a lot of them to go around because they're just not in, they're not in printing anymore. Um, which is what happens. You just got to, you know, be used to that. And that's why, you know, single issues were such a huge thing. It's because you could get the single issue for pennies. And if you have all of them, when they come out, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. And it's, you know, having a graphic novel is great, but that's how they kind of get you sometimes is, you know, it's basically a pros and cons thing. Do you want to wait to, you know, until the whole, you know, until they're all collected in a graphic novel, or do you want to yeah. just get them as they come out? Um, and for a long time, I did get them as they came out, but then, you know, the older I got, the more I'm like, I lazy I got, and I was like, yeah, just wait until it's all done, and then it'll be one giant story, and I can read it all at once. So for sure. So. Um... Making your own comics, basically from as for, as soon as I met you, was something that you were talking about. Oh, yeah. Being excited about. That was always something that was cool to you. Uh, did that start before college, or did it really kind of calcify in the college years? Uh, actually, that definitely did start before college. Um, you... 
<laughs> I hesitate to go here uh, because this is and will be an entirety of it, its own episode. But you oh, know yeah. about you know about my early like preteen uh, creation uh, superhero that was influenced literally by everything I watched. And that includes yes. all the stuff that I mentioned in DC Comics, especially Justice League. And Justice League and Batman Beyond. That was another huge one for me. Influence. Yeah. But I created an early superhero of my own making called Hey Man. And yes, it's exactly what I said. H-A-Y-M-A-N. Hey Man. It has nothing to do with hay whatsoever it was <laughs> literally a batman beyond clone that was green <laughs> instead of uh black he had slight green lantern powers um his suit i thought was he was cybernetic. very mega man influenced by that influenced by that because it was it was it he the suit could transform but also it was um there was a, a green alien, like a guardian, like a Green Lantern guardian, mixed with uh, <laughs> one of those like aliens from Toy Story, um, <laughs> infused into his suit. So it gave him like the slight Green Lantern powers. It could go interstellar. So he was also kinda, like kind of Blue Iron Beetle Man. in that way as well. Yeah, exactly. It was like Blue Beetle. It was like <laughs> Iron Man. It was like <laughs> all these <laughs> things put together. He had like a he had a, a, a vehicle, even though he could fly. He had a vehicle like the Batmobile. Um, he had uh, a friend. He, his best friend um, had his own suit that he built himself like um, Superman <laughs> has like one of his best friends was Steel. Like Steel was just a genius and he just built all that stuff himself, which is another character in dc that is really cool and the movie obviously doesn't do him any justice because he's actually super awesome <laughs> in the comics <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah it, it Heyman was i don't know where the name came from i have no idea i was trying to just come up with the name and i'm willing to bet a million dollars that it was just like a series of sounds that you thought sounded cool. <laughs> yeah and yeah, that exactly. was that was it <laughs> that's exactly what happened <laughs> so and a lot like, of it yeah we, we can't spend too much time on hey man but yeah. like i do want to emphasize how wild of a thing it was because you would tell me about hey man in college and you'd be like oh it's ridiculous this is the the old thing i did when i was a kid and you would outline Genuinely, multiple Infinity Sagas worth of stories. <laughs> and all of them me. were animated in comic form. Because I was like, when I get rich off of my comics, I'm going to make a show just like Justice League and uh, <laughs> Batman Beyond. And I'm going to make it expansive, like how Justice League had its first show running. And then it went to Unlimited. And I was like, I'm going to do that. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so many characters. It's going to be so many storylines. Everybody's going to care. And everybody's going to love this. And I'm going to love it. And I'm just going to rewatch it over and over again. <laughs> I'm going to be cool. It's not about being rich. I'm going to be cool. <laughs> That's <what I'm> <laughs> <laughs> And a lot of that was influenced by DC. Most of that, especially, um, this goes into like the beginning is I had a lot of action figures when I was growing up too. 
And I got, I collected, I had boxes of random action figures and random like little toys that I would get out of Happy Meals that I would just get off random like, like, uh, like festivals and, uh, you know, yard sales and stuff that I would find that is just, oh, this is cool. Hangman was literally like a little based off the look was based off of a little character action figure I had who could his limbs couldn't even move, but his look was awesome. And I was like, I think it was just a robot. It was just a robot, but I was like, this would be cool as a suit. And I drew it, and I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's awesome, okay. And it just spiraled from there. <laughs> Basically, I had so many, um, and that's how a lot of the characters in Heyman were created, uh, was from different action figures and different stuff I had, but I based them on DC stuff. Not, ex- not specifically, but a lot of Heyman, I had episodes upon episodes of them interacting with Batman, interacting with the Justice League. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm telling you, anything that influenced me back then, it was, especially in that first season, because yes, I did have seasons. I wrote out entire logs of episode summaries and stuff like that for seasons. And I'm talking each season had at least 50 episodes I was insane. It was cre- I was insane. <laughs> and I, I this is a DC talk. This is a DC talk. But I, I was like, it, it was insane. And a lot of that had to do with what I was influenced with back the day. Um, like I said, especially something like, you know, Justice League. Justice League was a huge one. Batman Beyond and Static Shock. Um and you notice that all three of those had prominent black characters in it. And that's the first thing I wanted to do. I was like, no, I'm going to do this. And it's going to be multicultural. And I wasn't even thinking about it critically back then. I was like, this is just what I want to watch. This is going to be cool. I want to be cool <laughs> for creating this. <laughs> They'll love me then. And we go into my childhood trauma. No, never mind. <laughs> but anyway... Yeah, so does that answer your question? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, I want you to, to share as much as you're comfortable sharing, but... Uh, oh, no, that's that's fine. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I love cool hearing about it. all that stuff, and I love hearing the way that uh, things influence you, because, yeah, it, it was... Uh, and now I think we're moving on to the second question, um, you know, being a DC fan in college and yeah. how I got introduced to you. Because I would say that that was your prominent fandom when we first met. Like, if you were anything that I could, like, label or identify, it would be a DC fan. Yeah. I, I Thinking back, I didn't think when you told, when you said that the first time, when you laid out those... Uh, those points i was like was i that big of a dc fan back then and i the more i thought about it, the more i was like oh yeah i kind of was because i think justice league was at the height of what he was doing i don't remember when young justice started but uh i think it might have just started when yeah we were. i was huge into Ju- young justice i still am i still think that is that is DC's new thing. Um, 
I hope it. I don't know if judging by like the whole HBO Max shakeup, I don't know. I don't know if it's in limbo or not still yet. But I still think that that is Warner Brother and DC's flagship. Um, in terms of animation and storytelling, animated wise and stuff, I think it's so good, so good. I'm like, this is what you guys need to lead with. Like, seriously, this is what you guys need to lead with. Like all these other directed video movies. I know you love Batman so much that you think you need to make <laughs> 800 movies of different Batman stories. And while that's fine, <laughs> I don't care. Let's let's. That's not what you should lead with. I know that's a moneymaker, but that's not what you should lead with because fundamentally, writing-wise and animation-wise, Young Justice is exactly what people are looking for. And people love it. People, like The people speak all the time. And I'm one of them about Young Justice and how that is still, in my opinion, the superhero show to watch on TV or like on streaming or whatever. All this other stuff is, is fine, but Young Justice still it it hits every time. Each season is pretty good. Each season is good, and I was like, "Yeah, I love it. Still love it. It's great." So totally, and that yeah, like you yeah. said, it started back in college. I'm pretty sure. So I was big into that, and um, yeah, that, I, I think yeah. that it yeah, it started when we were in college. And I definitely remember having multiple conversations and it like, there's part of it, which it feels like I'm pandering to you. Cause I'm just like, yeah, but all the black characters are the coolest, but <laughs> God damn it. They are. Cause like black Manta and Aqualad are without question, like the coolest part of that show to me. Like, yeah. I love that stuff. Um, uh, Aqualad, Aqualad is... is so complicated in a really fascinating way. Yeah. Um, Aqualad is uh, easily my favorite easily my favorite and yeah. not not one of the best costume designs yes. in like comic book adjacent media it yeah was my favorite comic book design i think up until spider gwen uh now rebranded to ghost spider i think i don't remember they're flying off yeah. the rails with it but it, it, it it's uh, cool though <laughs> but, but um, like until then like he was my favorite costume for a long time he Ah, so cool. Um, funny, funnily enough, I uh, met the guy. Um, Yo, really? Who, yeah, I met the guy who did uh, um, Aqualad, who did the voice of Aqualad, who is also the voice of uh, Teen Titans, which is another uh, one I completely slipped my mind. Um, sure. Not part of the Timverse, but definitely uh, was influential back in its day. Yeah, it... Um. Yeah, I I met him. Where did I meet? I I drew a picture, um, like a just a bust of Aqualad, and I was like, I am going because uh, a local uh, con that I wanted to go to a Comic Con that I went to, and I took it, took the picture there specifically because I wanted to get it signed by Carrie Payton. Um, Carrie Payton is the voice of Aqualad. Excuse me. And he is also the voice of um, uh, Cyborg in Teen Titans, too. And Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Cool. He does a lot of voice work. He does a lot of voice work. Um, but he's 
I don't want to say famous for Aqualad, but that's definitely a big one for him. And he enjoyed it uh, when I met him because I actually met him there. Um, I didn't get a picture with him because that would have cost money, unfortunately. <laughs> but I did get mm-hmm. him to sign my picture. And he's like, this was when season three just got announced that they were coming back for season three. Right. And so he was super excited. He's like, yes, we're back. We're back, baby. And I'm like, yes, yes, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and I like he he is a huge inspiration to me um, in terms of voice work, too, because he enjoyed himself doing it. He's like, it's such an important character. We talked for about like 15, 20 minutes. I was holding people up because oh, I was talking. That's so cool. And he was really into it. He's like, because he was excited. A lot of people, he was there because of The Walking Dead. Um, specifically, mm-hmm. like, obviously that's a huge thing. He was a huge character in that show. So a lot of people were there for the walking dead for him, but I pulled up with my Aqualad <laughs> uh, picture that I drew and he's like, his face lit up. He's like, Oh yeah. He's like, you know, we're coming back <laughs> with season three, right? I'm like, yes, I know. And he's like, yes, I'm so happy. Like <laughs> we talked, we talked for a little bit and really, really nice guy. Um, Really, really energetic, obviously. And um, I, that was just a, such a proud moment for me because I got to talk, kind of geek out with him. And he, he was geeking out too. He's like, yes. He's like, you watch the show? And I'm like, I watched all of it and I love it. He's like, yeah, I'm, we're so, he's like, I'm so happy about the response that, uh, you know, that people are get, like giving for the character of Aqualad. We didn't know how it was going to work, but He's like, I'm very happy that people love that character. And I'm like, yeah, he's my favorite. He's obviously my favorite. And he's like, yeah, I wanted to do him justice. He's like, it's important. Um, he's like, I, it, it's important for, you know, not like the black community to not only have black leaders because Aqualad does become a leader in that show, but he's also yeah. like, cause he's cool anyway. And this is what I loved about that character. If I could just go on a little bit of a thing. And also, this kind of is about, uh, you know, how I felt about it in college, too, when I saw that character. Um, And I didn't know it was going to go this way, but I am extremely impressed and love the fact that it went this way. And for all of you who watch Young Justice, you know that that character of Aqualad is not only a leader, but he is also gay. Um, and it's prominent in the uh, other two seasons. I'm pretty sure it's in, um, I don't know if it's in three, but I know it's in four and five. But it's prominent. Like he has a partner and it's, it's live. It's right in front. It's right in front and center. And that it it doesn't take away from his character. It enhances his character like it, it, it makes him that much cooler, in my opinion. I'm like, yeah, because all these characters have their own thing. They have their, you know, their own personalities and whatnot, and their own lives. And that's the point, in my opinion, of how they did the show, which is why I like it. Uh, even back then in college, it attracted, uh, it attracted me in a way that Justice League did way beforehand when I was a kid, and it felt like it built on that kind of structure with young justice. And I think the most prominent of example of that is Aqualad. And what do you know? It happens to be a black character who is also a merman. um, And he's also the leader 
<laughs> and he's also uh, gay, prominently, and he's still cool. Like it, it's, it's 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 extremely cool. It, it's so cool that they did that, and it's like, oh, what do you know? It, he's still the same person. Nothing has really changed. Nothing has changed. He's still totally a cool person. He's nothing. Like I don't I don't get why. So many people, it's like, and, and you know, this is a, on another rant, of course. I'm not going to go too much into it, but it, it kind of bothers me when people are like, "Oh, you made that character get." I get it. If it's if it's a company doing this, like putting that stamp on it and just saying, "Ha ha, see, see," yeah, it does feel fake. But in that show, especially, it felt very authentic. Where. They didn't just mm-hmm. all of a sudden do things. It was a lead up and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, they didn't hu- make a huge deal out of it, but it was prominent in the show. It was prominent in the characters. And I was like, see, see, this is this is why this character is cool. This is why all these characters are cool. <laughs> See? Well, something See something that I'm going to, you know, it, not just relevant here, I feel like this is going to come up a lot on the yeah. show, is that artists want to tell different kinds of stories mm-hmm. and character stories with black characters or gay characters or whatever. They have wanted to tell these stories from the start and it's studios and it's money people oh it's it's mo- it's can't. straight up money people i mean if you look at uh if you look at um uh, the biggest example in the last like five years or whatever black panther um biggest sure. biggest example of that and i can only speak from you know a black perspective obviously um like i can't speak from the lgbt uh q plus uh like perspective um but i uh but i recognize that they're when they see great portrayals of the people that they want to see in film and media and different types of media period different types of media period they're jumping for joy just like how i jump for joy about black panther and i'm like wow entire black cast we did it we did it. <laughs> and sure. I mean, to be fair, Black Panther wasn't a, you know, 100% great technical movie, but it was a sure. huge cultural movie. And that's what yeah. made it. That's what made it happen because and this is like the whole thing of unfortunately, we um, excuse me. Unfortunately, we had to appease like the executive gods, to so to speak, because for the longest time, black people don't make they don't they don't make that money. They'll not. They totally. won't come out. They won't come out. And, and that's really movies. like the big thing about Black Panther is like majority black cast made a billion dollars. Oh yeah, and we saw. I saw it twice. I know some people yeah. that saw it three, four times. They brought we you like <laughs> people. You don't understand. Uh, I mean, if maybe if like certain extent, some people understand. If you have a big family, or you know, if you're you know part of the black community, you understand black people going in droves to the theater to have a good time. <laughs> um, and 
like I know some people that brought their entire families. Norm, like old older old heads who usually aren't into superhero like fantastic you know um, special effects laden flashy movies like that. They're like, no, I'm going to go see that Black Panther. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> let's go see it again. <laughs> Grandma, let's go. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I'm going to go see that Chadwick Boseman. I'm like, yeah, let's go, let's go. And we we showed up. And that's what when Disney was like, oh. And obviously, like these executives that are sitting in their high towers that are completely oblivious. <laughs> they're like, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> like what it's the same thing what kind of happened with like the wonder woman the first movie like it's, that was it's a, a story that you see yeah. again and again and again where it's these money people who are holding on to these old-fashioned ideas yeah and it's just like the legend of cora we can't have a a, a lady is the main character and it's like actually you absolutely can and a powerful and... lady that's buff <laughs> like totally yeah like in brown um, skin, you know, talking I don't about, know about that. <laughs> you know, talking about gay characters in animated television, you know, I think Cora might have been the first one who I can remember being like pretty explicit. Oh being, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. hey, this is the main character. She's not straight. And we have to bend over backwards in order to portray that without offending people. And that sucks. But they were able to do it, and I feel like they, like, that That to me was a turning point mm -hmm. where afterwards we have seen a lot more representation. So, like, yeah, badass that Aqualad gets to not be straight. Uh, you know, Steven Universe star versus the forces of uh, evil. I, I, um, I, was just about to, I was just about to say Steven Universe, who also has another yep. black character who is not straight. And it's Estelle. Yep. Kipo and the Age awesome. of Wonder Beasts. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, and that people, and that here's the thing, and it, I, I've been saying this forever, is, guys, people, I'm not talking about everybody, because obviously we're in a different age, and people that are younger than us that are coming up are loving this, and they get it, and I'm like, yeah, cool. This doesn't hurt anything. This, more diversity... Like I always use the example of Justice League, because if you go look back at Justice League and all of it, Justice League and Un Justice League Unlimited, it has so many different types of characters and so many different types totally. of perspectives and so many different types of stories. Guess what? A lot of those stories are written by people that you would not even know, that you would not even guess. And it's like... See, this is what happens when we collab all together and make something great. I'm not saying that the show is perfect. There is no such thing as that. But it hit on multiple levels with multiple people throughout my life that I didn't even know they were in into superheroes. And they said, yeah, I watched Justice League. That was awesome. And usually yeah. like, I like how they portrayed like Wonder Woman. She didn't she didn't play at all. And that was so cool because in that show, she if you think about it, I had to go look back at it because I was having another conversation with one of my other friends. And I was saying, if you look back at that show, she was like not defeated. She was like never defeated. She never got yeah. – she when she got beat up, she constantly got back up and won. I think she was only defeated once. And that was like a huge 
that was like a huge big deal. But in that show specifically, they wrote her as she is kind of the top of the top. Even if you come out and like try to attack her from like with three or four different superheroes, she'll still usually win. She's actually that powerful and that good. And I was like, and she was always respectful. She was never, you know, you know, she was always the rational one out of like the big three, which is hilarious. Like, and I was like, that's really funny how they wrote her like that. And, you know, I don't think that superhero stories need to feature role models. Like, I yeah. think it's okay to have anti-heroes or just flat out bad people who mm-hmm. are the stars of your media. You know, uh, uh, depiction is not endorsement. You know, I yeah, can watch absolutely. Bad and know that Walter White is a fucking monster. And still <laughs> yeah. enjoy that show. I mean, that's kind of the point, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, but, you know, there's a certain type of person who, who looks at that kind of media and is just like, well, obviously because they're the main character, you know, I am supposed to empathize with them and like, relate with them. And like, yeah, like can- Joker Anyways. syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I know what you're talking but about. But the point yeah. is that justice league, I think really did have like a pretty great selection of role models where mm. they weren't just super powered, but they were good uh, mm-hmm. in a way that like, I feel like modern DC doesn't really lean into in the same way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go into there yet until you're ready. Like, cause I know you have a structure, mm-hmm. um, um, like for like the fan base and being a fan now, cause that is definitely wades into how DC is now. But yeah, I, I completely 100% agree with you. It, like at least in during that time period, and, you know, a little bit afterwards and whatnot. I think that uh, Justice League especially definitely ha- – and it was the writing. It, it, it You have to yeah. give it to the writers, the kind of the multicultural writers. Uh, like I said, Dwayne McDuffie was a big one because um, he was a pretty prominent black writer in um, the DC Universe period. He wrote on all – types of DC shows and it showed because some of those, the writing in those uh, episodes were the best episodes and it's heartfelt and he got it. It, it, That's the thing is you could tell like somebody different was writing this because how did that, why did that character say that? That's interesting. Not that the character is like bad for saying that or whatever, but where did they get that from? It's kind of how I felt about um that uh the 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 kids show craig of the creek where yes the main character's family is so there that is my family i am i I told you this like months or years ago or something when the last time we talked about this and i showed you that show i'm craig i was craig as a kid that was me and i am not lying that was me Mm -hmm. I love to draw. I love to make maps. I was Craig. And I like grew up in the suburbs, you know, and, you know, I had a, like my, my parents uh, are together and whatnot. They're still together and everything. Like I had both of my parents home. It's just that I, my parents were always working. So I was a latchkey kid. Um, the only thing was I wasn't the oldest. I mean, I, uh, Craig isn't the oldest. I was the oldest. 
So I was a little bit of Craig and I think Bernard. I think that's his older <laughs> older brother. I was more Bernard when I got older. <laughs> I turned into him. But <laughs> you know, it's it's I see myself in that. And that is so important. That is so important. That's why I fell in love with like John Stewart because you know who he reminded me of? A mix of my dad and my uncle. <laughs> That's what he reminded me of. And I was like, my uncle sounds like that. And my dad was in the military and everything. So I'm like, oh my goodness. This is my family. He talks. Even like subtle things that people would say to him. I remember this one episode where they went back in time to, I think, to help the Justice Society of America. And it was a different time period. So... I think one of the superhero characters, I think it was like the Flash character of that time, said, mm. you know, said, oh, it's like, it's good to see you, son. You did good work. And he just said, son. And it was <laughs> so, yep. it was such a small thing. But I was like, oh, oh, when I saw right. that, even as a kid, and, I was like, and- oh, they get it. These people get it. Now, it didn't like they didn't make that episode about that, but it was a subtle thing that, oh, these people get it. Whoever's writing this, they get it. And I'm pretty sure that was Dwayne McDuffie who wrote it. And I bet that as a kid that that went over my head, you know, because I just wasn't aware of that kind of thing yet. I wasn't paying attention to it. But the fact that that was there for for you, like, is, is really cool. Yeah, and I uh, and again being clear, people, I don't. I, yeah, I'm not going to be mad that how did you not see this when you were a kid? I didn't see a lot oh, of stuff when I was a kid. I, I'm not going to. I mean, I'm talking about like me. I'm talking about me meeting you in college. And let's be clear, like every other person who's starting college, I was a fucking idiot. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, don't feel bad. I was too. And I'm marginally too. better now. You know, I, I would it's, hope it's a that lifelong we're goal. It's a lifelong goal to like not be embarrassed by who I am actively, uh, but at least I can not be who I was in college. So that's great. I mean, if you're if you're growing, you're doing good. Hopefully, you're growing yeah. up and not growing down. <laughs> but because that that's how I was too, and I look back and I cringe at what I said and what I did too, and I was like, man, <laughs> you didn't have to, you didn't have to do that, you didn't have to say that. Why? Why? What is wrong with you? But if you look, if in my opinion, how I see that is if I look back at that and, I, and I'm cringing, that means I'm different. <laughs> if I look back and yeah, I'm like, exactly. yeah, I was right. Yeah, yeah, I was right. I'll be like, yeah, you, you haven't learned, dude. But I look back <laughs> at most of that stuff and I'm like, I am so cringe. I don't like this. I don't like it. It For happened. Sure. It happened. But that's how you learn. But I still don't like it. But yeah. <laughs> so so like all I'm saying is that maybe I wasn't aware of it at the time. Uh, I try to be aware of things now. I try to be more mindful. Uh, I hope I'm better. That's all you can do. Uh, is yeah. At least you're trying, and that is what's is that is what counts. You're trying. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to flagellate myself for being a dipshit. In college. <laughs> uh, you whip yourself on the back. <laughs> Shame! <laughs> How could you? 
No, but, and, uh, but that but that was specifically, like I said, they didn't make the entire episode about that. That was just a little nod to, we understand the situation, and I got it. Like, I even then, back then, yeah. I was like, oh, ooh. And that endeared me. That endeared me to the show more. And, hey, guess what? Developers, guess what? Writers, artists that are making shows and movies and stuff. You know how you do that, right? You you just care. <laughs> care yeah. about care about who what you're making and who is watching. You, you I'm not saying you have to make the entire episode about st- certain things or whatnot, but in my opinion, and like I said, I am not a part of this community, but in my opinion, why I liked Cora's, you know, gradual um character arc is you could see the subtle hints of everything, and then when it came, it's like, oh, she's still Cora, but now she has this aspect of her life. Now, I appreciated that. I don't know how th- that community did, um, but I appreciated it, and I liked it. I was like, see, that's cool. I like that. This this fits perfectly. It doesn't feel forced like so many things nowadays where it's like, nope, got to put that stamp on it to get that to get that money, but... You know, if you're actually being See, genuine I, about stuff, it's yeah. I I think I think you're exactly right that like all you have to do is care. Like that's literally like ninety nine percent of it. <laughs> it um, it's hard for people to do that apparently because a lot of stuff still falls short. I know. you can always tell but when people also, are trying. I also believe like what I was saying. Like one artists have been trying to tell these kind of stories for as long as they have been making art. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that you're pointing out stuff that I didn't notice, like, I think is evidence of that. Like, they were putting in more, you know, they were referencing more heavy subjects than I was even aware of at the time. And the fact that they did that makes me appreciate it more. Uh, but two, like, as far as, like, representation and just the the seemingly never-ending argument for needing more of it. If we have, look, 80% of all media is bad. And if we want more good representation, we just have to have more of it. And some of it is going to be bad. And that's okay because 80% of everything is bad. Yeah. But like, we just have to have more examples of it. And that's why things where like Black Panther is so great because it's a majority black cast and it doesn't need to be a monolith. Like no one character is representing the black community. They were allowed to have a bunch of different body shapes and hairstyles and skin tones and perspectives and you know it just gets to be more stuff um something that i think wouldn't have happened without black panther is the new predator movie that came out recently which is awesome it is awesome it's a really fun movie and it features you know uh, a majority native american cast first nations cast Mm -hmm. and it's You know, I think, like, an important part is, like, oh, like, they get to have their own perspective. They get to have a movie where they represent themselves and show how they would like to be represented. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? And they're like, well, I just want to have a kind of kick-ass movie where I beat the shit out of an alien. And they're like, (laughs) It doesn't have to be complicated. Exactly. That's what's cool about... And and that brings us back to Blade. 
I know that's not a DC character. Totally. But that brings us back to Blade is a vampire, half vampire, who's a vampire hunter. <laughs> like, yeah, it that, rules. That, that is, you, you, like, during a time when vampires were a huge thing, like, you have Underworld. And, you know, did Van Helsing come out during mm. that time? <laughs> and, you know, Van Helsing was earlier and was, no, Van Helsing was way after, actually. It was like 2004. Blade okay. was 98. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't even remember. That's all a blur. <laughs> but I was like, you know, you're having a lot more, we're just talking about genre, but, you know, we're, we're having a lot more. Uh, at least black voices in horror now too and blade was technically an actual horror movie back then and Mm -hmm. nobody bat an eye when like when it's like oh we have a prominent black character who is also half vampire and you know that's cool that's okay that's you know that's perfectly fine we're we appreciate this but you know you're absolutely right about you know people need to be mindful and give here's what people need to do already creators in your space be mindful of what you create oh in uh the in the space itself the the studios hey let some people in let new people in let people that hey i have an action movie um i'm 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 a part of like the lgbt community I, I want to make an action movie. You come right on in here. You sit at that table and you do what you need to do. We want more. <laughs> Give us more. All more. That's what I'm talking yeah. about, studios. Just do it. Don't think that every black person wants to make a certain type of movie. Or, to be honest, every white person wants to make every type of different type of movie. Hey, guys, branch out. Okay? I'm not saying you have to do... Oh, I, I got to put this in here because... When you start making a checklist, that's when it starts getting bad. <laughs> yeah. Be, no one no one wants yeah. tokenism. No one's arguing for tokenism. Yeah. Be be intentional. Be intentional. And also just make what you want to make. Like I use Steven totally. Spielberg as kind of an example. Um now, you know, like I, I think of something like Jurassic Park, obviously, where you know from a kind of a, like a woman's perspective, like uh, the main woman character in that, that uh, movie is pretty awesome. She's very, she's not dumb. She's not ditzy. She's kind of the, one of the smartest people there. (laughs) And it's very interesting. Now, obviously, you know, you have Samuel Jackson, who is one of, what, three black people <laughs> in, the, in the movie. But also, mm-hmm. I just like the fact that he's, pro- like, prominent. And let's be honest, a lot of people are getting eaten. So it sucks that he didn't <laughs> survive that. But I still appreciate that he was prominently in it. And he was, like, one of – I know it's a trope now – like the black hacker, but he was an old black sure. hack- hacker. And also it's Samuel L. Jackson. So it's like not your stereotypical, you know, thing. I, it's still really funny. It's still a great, you know, role for, in my opinion, but you know, Steven Spielberg, he just wanted to make a movie about dinosaurs and he just put people in it, like actual people. 
who knew that actual people exist in stuff? Sure. Like, it, and people come in a bunch of colors and shapes and sizes. And yeah. Like, you know, when it comes to diversity and representation, like, it's also just stuff like different body shapes. Like, I want everything to be Team Fortress 2, where people have, like, recognizable <laughs> silhouettes. You yeah. know, I don't like it when, like, you have three, like, I remember this being a big complaint of mine with, like, the Warhammer movie. Of it's just like there's four middle aged like thirty something white guys with beards and brown hair and I wait, can't tell anyone apart. Wait, <laughs> it's wait, wait! Hold on a second. Crazy. Hold on a second. Warhammer movie. There was a yeah, Warhammer the, movie. The, yeah. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's one of my least favorite. That's I, probably why I don't remember it. I. I it's I, by Duncan Jones. The director is Duncan Jones, who is the son of David Bowie, who previously <laughs> made the movie Moon, which is like one of well, the really best good. fucking yeah. science fiction movies Wait, <laughs> of the War, decade. Warhammer movie. It sucks. I had zero fun watching it. Like, not <laughs> ironic fun. Wait, Warhammer movie 2000, like, 2020? No, oh, I said Warhammer. I went Warcraft. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the what Warcraft I thought. Warcraft okay. movie. Warcraft. Okay. Yeah, the world of Warcraft. Same, same. Movie. <laughs> I was like uh, Warhammer. What? <laughs> no, Warcraft. I did see that, and I didn't understand it, and I was like, okay, all right. But I mean. At the same time, though, I thought, oh, he's, you know, the fans of it, fans of it probably liked it. And I found out the fans didn't like it. And I was like, oh, my bad. Yeah. Sorry. And this isn't about that. It's just about, like, that trope of, like, I don't want people to be too similar. I remember, like, even though, obviously, they're very different, and Mm -hmm. I love it now, uh, when I first saw Lord of the Rings... In theaters as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, I had trouble keeping Aragorn and Boromir separate. <laughs> like it's just like they're just like a couple of white dudes with brown hair and beards, and it's just like I don't know. I just got them confused at a couple points, mm-hmm. and just make people look different. I don't know. It's well, cool. It's good. I mean, and it also feels more, in my opinion, it feels more. You know, I hate to keep using the word authentic, but. It feels more real. I hate to say that too because it's like fantasy and stuff like that. But the world feels feel more grounded. That's that's a better word. Like because, and that's that's been a problem with a lot of science fiction from in the past. Is science fiction was always oh, there's a lot of oh, everybody's white, like. But there's no black people who exist in the future. And that was a huge meme, too. It's like, black mm-hmm. people don't exist in the future. <laughs> totally. But nowadays, yeah. you see a lot more of, like, post-apocalyptic movies and films and all kinds of stuff where there's just black people everywhere. And I'm like, okay, that feels more realistic. And not only that, but now they're starting to go into different ethnicities, too, where, you know, wow, this person isn't even from around here. Or, you know, oh, wow, there's so many Hispanic people around now. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to happen. That's definitely going to happen. What, you think everything happens in, you know, United States? Yeah, true. Uh, But, 
Yeah, it's totally. So let's let's be a little bit more diverse in everything nowadays, guys. And I think DC, at least now they are, being a little bit more intentional with that. And I appreciate that. So Yeah, I I basically see it purely as a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um Boy, that's a lot of words to talk about you uh, liking DC Comics in college, huh? <laughs> what about uh, <laughs> let's wrap uh, let's wrap around to the the subject a little bit more? That was a really good digression, and I'm glad that we did that. Um, okay, <laughs> but yeah. So one of the things that I like really remember uh, first meeting you is that you had these huge DC Comics omnibuses that Ooh. were like. Uh, not full of comics, but full of just like information. Uh, information. It was like a it was like a world bible, and it had information on all the characters and a bunch of locations and just tons and tons of art. They were like cool coffee table books. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that was something that was you know as special to you as maybe I I give it weight, but I just remember. I don't know, it, like really strongly associating that with you. I remember it being, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I still have those. Um, I still have those, by the way. And that was a big thing because back then, when I was heavy into wanting to create my own universes—that's what it's called now—but my own worlds, my own, you know, I want, I love, I love world building. Um, yeah. Which is probably why I like a lot of authors that do world building really well. And, you know, so like Neil Gaiman is literally one of my all time favorite authors because his world building is kind of stupid. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> and I say stupid as in like super good. <laughs> it's like it's stupidly yeah, complex, good. Complex, intricate. Yeah. And I, I, I you know, I, that's what I kind of want to aspire to be. But um, even back then in college, yeah, yeah, it was. So those kind of, like you said, world Bibles were very much something I dug into a lot. And even when I would see, because they would be updated too. When I would go to the store every couple of years, I would see a new one. It's like, oh, yeah, this is the new version, like, you know, new like version of it and i would look through it and see what has changed and what's different and what they added and whatnot and i'm like oh this is super interesting i always found that stuff very interesting and yeah that was a big once i started to actually be serious about art and serious about mm-hmm. writing for comics and stuff i definitely looked into that more because um of how stories were told and how characters interacted with their world and with each other and in a meaningful way, especially when it comes to DC comics where, you know, like stuff got out of hand real quick (laughs) when you have like a Superman character and, but how does he interact with, you know, the rest of the characters there and, you know, the villains, how, how can you make a villain, threatening but not just keep going big 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 because there is a thing where you just can't keep doing that and i'm like okay this is what you do this is how they did it or this is what you can do and a lot of that comes from 
me looking over, uh, you know, those books. And I still, like I said, I still have them and I, they still have like folds in certain pages. So I don't lose track of stuff. <laughs> but Yeah. Um, I obviously don't, I don't look at that as much anymore. Obviously I haven't picked them up, but I still have them. I don't think I'll ever get rid of them because, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's still, you can still learn stuff from there. Um, even though the internet exists, I still like having hard copies um, of some things and you still learn from that. Yeah. But that was a big part of college. Uh, the, my creative side of college, basically. That's what I would say. Totally. Okay, let's pivot to the last part. Uh, what's it like being a DC fan now? How has how has it changed in the last you know decade or so? Uh, I think it's changed. <laughs> it is Alas. tiring. It's still fun, <laughs> but it is tiring. And and I think that is a for me, I think that is a very apt uh this like describer, I guess, an adjective for basically the majority of DC fans right now. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's tiring. It's it's still fun, but it's tiring because of the industry. Um, I think uh, I'm going to be that guy. I'm just going to say this right now because this is going to this is that hot take, guys. This is the title has been said. This is a half-tone hot take. Uh, I think that the direction cinematically that DC is going is good. I think that the direction they're taking is good. Um, I don't necessarily like the direction they started with, but I think the direction they're heading is good. Um, okay, I'm going to pause you there and just ask you to clarify because, like, what what does that mean? Because there there was the Snyderverse to start with. Okay, first of all, we're talking about the modern incarnation of the DC Extended Universe. So we're yes. talking about, like, the Nolan movies were huge when we were in college. And actually, we probably should have spent some time talking about those. I mean, that, uh, I, I figured that's, that's part of the modern... I figured that's kind of the modern take, though, because that still resonates in a certain way. But yes, you, keep, you can keep going. Sorry. Right. So so what I was asking is we're talking about post that with the start of the modern DC extended universe with uh, Snyder's Man of Steel being the, the first entry. Is that mm-hmm. what we're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I enjoyed the first half of Man of Steel. I thought they got it right uh, for the first half. I thought it was very much more melancholy, and I loved that direction. Um, and then obviously they went off the rails, and that's a whole other discussion. But I wasn't mad about it. I just like mm, I don't know what they're going for with this now. Well, we'll see. And then my I with every movie after that, I kept saying, "We'll see. Eh, we'll see. We'll see." And I, I felt know, things were dire there for for a while. Like, yeah, well, I would agree that they've pulled up a little bit, but well, he, I was going to explain. Uh, I was going to explain that me saying we'll see is not good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Me saying me that's, that's saying we'll see, like me personally saying we'll see, is probably not a good sign because if I I'm usually hopeful when it comes to 
things like this, especially in the early, early days of things. But me say, starting to say, eh, we'll see, is literally my excitement starting to go down, which means that I'm not really caring about certain things. And I'm not saying I am the, you know, I am the standard. Everybody should go by my reviews and my <laughs> my opinions. No, I'm not saying I that. I want listeners at home, I want you to know he is lying. He does want <laughs> his standard is the only one that matters. Don't yes. believe anything he says. Otherwise. Yes, the, brand, the Brandon Ruth Superman, that is the best one. Everybody go back. <laughs> Everybody go back to that one. I honestly do think that is uh, another hot take, though. I do think that that Superman story is a little bit better uh, story-wise, writing-wise. Uh, but, you know, the current state, like from Man of Steel onward, it, it did get pretty bad, especially Batman v Superman. Um, I felt that was like a huge misstep in what they were trying to go for. I know what you guys yeah. were trying to do, but it, it's too quick. That was the biggest issue I had with the startup of like the Snyder versus everything is too quick. Everything is too quick. I want to, at least two more Superman movies before you even touch, before you even touch this guy over here or what have you. I don't want to hear it. Go through, take it slow, like Marvel did, but they wanted it now. The studio wanted it now and had so many ideas so quick. And I'm, I'm like, ah, they fumbled the ball. They got too greedy. And I'm, I'm sure yeah. most people who are into this stuff, they know this. They know this. And the the Snyder Cut isn't going to save it. it. It was already done. Um, and I, there are things that I liked about those movies and whatnot. There are things that I liked. But overall, I was very nonplussed. Until recently when the direction for I'm going to I'm going to give a shout out to Black Adam and The Rock because I think that's perfect casting. And apparently he's been working on, he's wanted this for like 10 years. He's been working behind the scenes to get this role and to get this thing going. And mm. I, I've been reading some stuff and been looking at some stuff. They're trying to go back. They're trying to kind of start, restart it, reboot the whole DC universe to more of a justice society type thing. And me knowing comic lore and stuff like that, I'm like, Oh, 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 okay. That fits more with the tone of what DC is trying to do and separate themselves from Marvel. And I think that is a good thing to do. I think that's a good tone to go towards. And what I mean mm -hmm. is it's darkness. It's like kind of dark and more brooding, but in the right way, as opposed to what uh, Snyder was trying to do. Um, this is more of a tone shift that Marvel, like, is different from Marvel. I'm just going to say, leave it at that, is different from Marvel. And they're trying to do kind of their own thing. They're trying to create their own universe and their own lore. They're, like I said beforehand, they're trying to reboot the whole thing. At least that's what I see. And that, for one, makes me excited for Black Adam. Because, it, it one, it does feature The Rock and... He is a man of color in the biggest prominent role in a very long time. He is a Superman figure in this this uh, this movie, which is a big hmm. deal. That is kind of a big deal uh, because you don't see a lot of 
besides, uh, I was talking about Milestone Media earlier. Uh, one of the the Superman icon, uh, his name is Icon, but the, the the Black Superman basically, and a lot of people. I I was talking to some some people that I know, and they're like, I didn't know who that was. Is he new? I'm like, he has been there for a very long time. So <laughs> I was like. Yeah, that's a important like cultural thing because you don't see a lot of black supermen or like to that status. So to me, that's a big kind of a big deal. In the fact that he is just angry, <laughs> that's also really funny to me. And I was like, yeah, you got to do some damage, man. You, like you are not Superman. You can't be playing around with these people. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that is a good start hopefully they pull it off hopefully is you know it ends up being a pretty decent movie even if it's not like technically great but at least the effects look good and stuff like that but and it looks thrilling and whatnot it looks entertaining um we'll wait until we see it obviously but uh i think they're going in a good direction because then they have a chance to kind of uh, make their own slow universe that people probably aren't used to because the justice society has been around in DC comics since we're talking kind of about comics too. Um, and that is a different roster. It had a different roster. It had different foes. It had different adventures that they went on, but it's still part of the lore that probably a lot of people don't like the mainstream doesn't even know about. So it's a great way to kind of reboot everything and just, you know, take it in a direction that I think Warner Brothers should have been doing in the first place. Like we talked a little bit, a tiny bit about like Joker and how they're doing a lot more mature stories in like in universe type thing. And while Joker isn't really connected to anything else, but a lot of more stuff is grounded. For example, uh, Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, uh, that was fantastic. But yeah, there was so much lore stuff in that in that film; it was ridiculous. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe James Gunn. <laughs> but that's the thing is, I was like, while I was watching, I was like, James Gunn is a fan. You don't do this stuff for sure, or say some of this stuff without knowing how this in-universe DC stuff would actually work in this in this way. And I think, you know, I don't think all the move films have to be like that because I don't, I don't think that's a, you know, a good tonal thing, but I like the fact that the suicide squad was kind of like that. It was more, it was a rated R basically version of, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, it's not captain Marvel. It's, uh, shoot Shazam. Uh, cause I also enjoyed Shazam. I thought it was just a fun movie of, being goofy and i was like see that's really funny sure. and that's and i like it also because that's how kids kids see not like babies not teenagers kids see superhero stuff and i was like okay i see what you did there i like that i like this direction and obviously there's aqua aquaman <laughs> which was just completely gonna... crazy but yeah I'm going to 
I want to know what, like, slightly zoomed out, like, yeah. how you're feeling about the bigger picture of them, like, first of all, splitting their continuity, where they're they're not worried about everything being connected like Marvel. You know, they're allowed to have a Joker. They're allowed to have a the Batman and not, yeah. you know, be absolutely beholden to the continuity that they've created that they, uh, in my opinion, clearly don't care that much about. Yeah. Um, and also, like, yeah, whether or not the number of R-rated superhero movies that DC is putting out is something that you're into, or do you feel like... And this is a really subjective question. Do you mm -hmm. feel like it's what you would have wanted as a fan, as a kid? Or do you, where, like, you know, the stories are growing up with you and they're able to tell more, quote-unquote, mature stories, whether or not they're mature or being juvenile with their violence is kind of beside the point. Um but, you yeah. know, taking on some of this more serious subject matter, taking on some more serious violence and kind of growing up with their audience versus staying in kind of the PG-13 realm, staying uh, a little bit more family friendly and being more inclusive because of that. You know, I think that there's whether or not you like an R-rated superhero thing is a different question than if you feel like it's a good thing that they're making it more exclusively for adults rather than focusing on uh, a more all ages thing, which again, mm. I, I feel, I'm trying not to like sound like a prude about this. Cause I don't think that it's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing. Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that like, you know, Oh, I'm a kid and I love Batman. Batman's cool. And then my parents now have to really give a serious think over whether or not I should see, Batman v Superman or the Batman. The Batman. Um, I was going to say the Batman is pretty brutal. Pretty intense movies. Yeah. <laughs> like. The the Batman is definitely definitely has an R cuts like R cuts somewhere. Um Oh, for sure. Cuz when I was watching that, I was like, "Ooh, ooh <laughs> got him" type thing, but yeah. <laughs> uh Yeah. That's a that's a good question. Um uh, I mean, like, I can only, I'm speaking as a DC fan. Uh, I honestly don't necessarily mind, like, R-rated movies, especially superhero R-rated movies. I think DC does that better than Marvel does. And this is taking an account to, like, Deadpool, which is still pretty entertaining. But I think DC likes to be a little bit more artful with it and i use that term kind of loosely because joker is definitely like joker's a dc character i'm sorry guys even though the the movie is has its own continuity it's a dc character but there that's their interpretation and it's definitely way more mature about it and it's not and i don't think that's violence for violence's sake either now I think Suicide was that way. The Suicide Squad, I think that was specifically like that on purpose. However, sure. It it if you know anything about the Suicide Squad, and I like the fact that the movie explains it because the previous movie did not very well. It didn't ramp up that kind of tension and say we're called the Suicide Squad for a reason. This mm. is this is how bad this stuff gets. <laughs> this 
This is the point. Yeah, I think it justifies the- its rating because it, it does need to show the ridiculous body count yeah. as part of the core premise of the of the thing. Yeah, this wouldn't work any other way. That's the that's the whole thing. It wouldn't work any other way because this is the Suicide Squad. We're literally sent into an impossible situation that is already going to have a high body count, expecting not to live. <laughs> yep. And most of us won't because even if we escape and the job isn't done, we die anyway. So that is the point of the Suicide Squad. And I thought James Gunn pulled it off pretty well and told a heartfelt story. Believe it or not, it was a heartfelt story. And I didn't think it was going to be. But I was like, aw. Aw. Yeah. (laughs) I was was looking at it. I was like, why do I feel bad? I don't feel like, you know. (laughs) I'm like, aw. I understand what you did there. I feel bad, but not that bad because, mind you, the main character... King Shark is baby and must be protected at all costs. Yeah, but even he is a horrible person. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I never got the feeling that they were... what they were doing with the first Suicide Squad. They were trying to make them more heroes. In the Suicide Squad, they are clearly all horrible. They are bad guys, but... They yeah. are protagonist. I think that line is they they did that very well um, in that in that movie. Um, yeah, the, that's the what I wanted to see. From the trajectory from Suicide Squad to the Suicide Squad is like one of the greatest redemption arcs in <laughs> in cinema. <laughs> it's hard to do, but it's uh, it's possible. We spent many long conversations, yeah. incredulous at the original Suicide Squad, and being like. It's not that complicated, you guys. I don't know how you did this. It, it's studio shenanigans. I, I honestly, honest to goodness, believe that the studio shenanigans. I don't where think they so. Thought, I think that they thought they wanted think... one thing. They were trying to cash in on one thing, and they forgot about the story. They forgot about the movie that they were making because they're like, "We'll just put in catchy songs in there. We'll we'll have Margot Robbie barely wearing anything." in you know like bending over at inappropriate times and thinking it's funny and all this kind of stuff we we won't kill actual people we'll kill you know shadow monsters or whatever they were doing i'm like there is no danger here we'll only have one person explode from trying to get away and yeah nobody that like what is the point of this what is the point of this because the entire time I was thinking, where the hell is Superman? <laughs> Superman could have taken care of this in two seconds. Where For is sure. he? Like, and uh, but that, but and that's that sounds like really you know uppity, and it's like, oh, you're you're one of those fans. But no, if you think about it, because I never thought that with the Suicide Squad, because it was literally one of those situations where, oh, nobody wants to touch this. Nobody wants to touch this situation. Nobody wants to go near that. So, of course you would send in the Suicide Squad to get the job done because they don't actually care. <laughs> they don't care about killing innocent people that are trying to yeah. that are zombies now and trying to kill them and stuff like, ah, whatever. <laughs> Ultimately, it's just about the movie doing the work. Yes. You know, to, to justify and explain things. And also to, like, 
have a situation that calls for the Suicide Squad? Because that's, like, my biggest thing is that, like, yeah. they were clearly the wrong people for the job before you even get into the fact that they created the mistake that they needed to clean up. Like, they made a Suicide Squad, and then that went bad, so they made another one to, to throw good money. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, but, uh, I always compare it to the one... Uh, really quick ju- jump back, but I always compare it to the one that is in uh, Justice League, where it's called Task Force X. And there's mm-hmm. a specific epi- ec- episode that is about the Suicide Squad, but they're called Task Force X. You can't say Suicide Squad in a, in a, in a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, it was an impossible mission. Literally, steal from the Justice League. So you can't call a hero to do that. <laughs> and they're like, are you, are you crazy? We have to teleport onto the onto the watchtower, be surrounded by superheroes who will literally kill us if we make a wrong move, and steal something that is very important and is in high under wraps and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, that makes sense. And what do you know? One of them actually failed in that, like, spoiler alert, but it's been out for years. But one of them actually failed. Um, but that's... I needed a like a like a situation like that, and the newer Suicide Squad provided that. And going back to your original point, because I'm looping back around, is if it's it, it's very situational. I do not mind. I think it's actually pretty bold of DC to be able to do this, tell these types of stories in possibly an R-rated setting. I just, mm-hmm. but you know, to that point is. Sui- the Suicide Squad is the only one that I can think of that where that gratuitous violence will probably skirt the skirt my you know my sensibilities because I'm like okay this makes sense but if you're just doing it just to do it and I think you're missing the point of the opportunity that you have to tell good stories in the DC universe in universe with the characters that you have. It can be mature yeah. without being crazy. Um, I think, though I'm not a, like, I didn't love it, but the Joker is kind of an example of that, where you tell a kind of a taxi driver story, and it wasn't gratuitous. Like, there wasn't gratuitous violence in it. Like, people get shot up, but it's nothing, like, crazy, like, you know, people getting exploded and Guts and it's not the everywhere. Suicide Squad, which is yeah, like yeah. so ludicrous. Yeah, I don't. If it if it's because um, the suicide, the thing is, I say that because the suicide, the Suicide Squad was popular. It made a lot of money and it was very popular. So I don't want WB to be, look at that and be like, okay, all of our stuff has to be like this because that's yeah. what made the money. No, 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 no. That's not what made it. <laughs> It worked here because that because people got it. It was it made sense in universe, but you can't do that for everything. So I'd appreciate it if you didn't do it for everything. I appreciate it if you did have fun movies like Aquaman or Shazam or something like that, or even to the to a point like uh, the new movie Black Adam coming out. Or how about you? You can still have PG thirteen movies or what have you, like the Dark Knight trilogy or the totally. Batman. The Batman was almost, I don't want to say perfect, but I like that aesthetic a lot because it showed the violence, but it didn't, it wasn't super gratuitous, but you knew it could have been. And I was like, see, I like this tone. I like this tone a lot for Batman, for 
future Batman stuff. Yeah, I think that's... I liked that movie. I liked it a lot more than the Joker movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the hardest PG-13 ratings I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Like, it gets pretty really close. amazing that it's not R. Uh, yeah. Which, which, to me, like, kind of proves some of the pointlessness of the rating system, where it's... it. You know, oh, the rating it's a, system it's a is broken. Loose guideline. You know, it's not. It's I not re- anything re- other re- than that. I remember doing a, um, a. I had to write a speech and do research um, back in college. I had to for one of my communications classes. I had to do. I chose a topic about the rating system and how it's kind of weird yeah. and messed up and doesn't make any sense anymore because it's actually the rating system isn't bad. It's just outdated. Um, and they don't want to change it, like the music industry's copyright system. But that is a whole nother episode. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you seen the uh, the documentary? This movie is not rated. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, uh, listeners, watch that if you want to like really get a bleak look at absolutely how arbitrary it is because it's just. It's just some guys going off gut checks. It's really and, nothing else. And and the thing doesn't change because everybody's too lazy to change it. <laughs> and that's the yeah. entirety of the whole thing. People are too lazy to change it. And it's worked for this long. And if people change it, then all everything gets out of whack. And obviously, people lose money in certain places. But... Um, it's it's lame. I mean, if anything, they just need to be rewritten completely or have more ratings. But, you know, that's a whole nother discussion. That's a whole nother discussion. But what DC yeah. is doing right now, I think, is a good step forward because already they have a different thing for what uh, – uh, Marvel is doing, which is they're being a little bit more mature about their storytelling. I'm not saying Marvel doesn't have any mature stories, but they're being intentionally like, if you don't like certain themes or what have you about heavy abuse or you know sexual tension or what have you, don't watch the Joker. <laughs> Um, yeah. Don't they're, just they're think that this is just more adult. Yeah, audience. and that's fine. I like that because I like variety, and it looks like what they're trying to do is create a little bit more of a variety in their universe, and I appreciate that. But you got to follow through with that. You got to follow through with that, and I think it's just about direction. They need a forward. I mean, an overarching direction with, you know how they do their projects. Now, whether they're going to get that is few any it's anyone's guess. We'll see in like a couple of years what how what they're doing. You yeah, you ended up being a a little bit more optimistic than I expected. So good to hear. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm feeling that way. So yeah, uh that's it for this episode. I have been Adam Bucheri. I'm an animator and game designer. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Bucheri. <laughs> And you can find my tabletop games at boocherry.itch.io. That is boo like ghost, cherry like fruit. And I have been Corey Revis. I'm an illustrator and comic creator. You can find me on Twitter at the Eaker. That's E-A-C-R, all one word. And on Instagram at 
earther one that's e-a-r-t-h-u-r underscore one okay uh getting late uh good talk buddy yes it is a good talk all right all right love you buddy you hang up no no you first we'll hang up at we'll hang up on (laughs) three we'll hang up on three okay Okay. one one two two three three. okay hang up (laughs) okay bye (laughs) See ya.